Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic ministers today. And this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Today on the podcast, we have our very own Reverend Bobby Kilman sitting down and interviewing the president of North Texas Christian College, Reverend Carl McLaughlin. Brother McLaughlin also is the pastor of the Calvary Pentecostal Church in Euless, Texas, and he and Brother Kilman together bring a just a fun perspective and a wealth of knowledge, and we sat down together to capture this at General Conference at the IBC booth that was held a few months back in Orlando, Florida, and we're glad to have this ready for you. Let's get to this interview with Brother Carl McLaughlin. Well, I am here with my uh, good friend, uh, Brother Carl McLaughlin, who is uh, not only pastors in Texas, uh, in Euless, Texas, he is also the president of North Texas Christian College. And I'm here to uh, pick his brain a little bit and maybe expose his heart around uh, this work that we both love, Bible college work, and uh, talk about that. So, uh, uh, Brother McLaughlin, how how did the dream of North Texas Christian College start? Absolutely. So the dream of North Texas Christian College first began as just a desire to maybe be a satellite campus. Um, When North Texas formed, our district formed, I was appointed chair of a research committee for Mm -hmm. education, educational Mm -hmm. offering in North Texas. And and we we talked with IBC, talked with a couple other colleges to just really be a satellite and everyone liked the idea. It was just structurally, it was hard to arrive at that place. Mm. And we had already developed quite a bit of curricula. Yeah. And we looked at it and said, you know, we have enough, we have enough courses now. Let's launch a, a hybrid and online uh, undergrad program. So now, that was the burden, the calling to, to accomplish that. Got the blessing of the superintendent, um, got the blessing of our church board, because we did launch it as an LLC yeah. out of Calvary Pentecostal Church, very similar to what IBC did years ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow, tremendous. Well, uh, so, uh, you know, this work isn't for the uh, faint of heart. Uh, so what, <laughs> what uh, drove you, what passions drove you to feel the burden for this kind of work? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, uh, from, a, from a family perspective, both sides of my family are educators, mm. but probably more importantly, I'm first generation apostolic. Wow. I was 20 years old when I got in the church and uh, absolutely fell in love with this truth. It, it literally delivered me from a, a world of uh, a very bad background. And so I fell in love with the truth and uh, went to Bible college, then went on for my master's. um, And then crazy enough, while we were launching the college, complete my doctoral degree for this purpose, for the purpose of apostolic education. Um, But I would say theologically or or scripturally, I would would look at um, the pastoral epistles where the apostle Paul said to Timothy, He said, hold fast and keep that good thing which was committed to thee. So that good thing was something that was entrusted. So literally, first it started off as a monetary image, and it was in the banking system. But Jewish teachers actually took that, and they integrated it into education. Yeah, beautiful. And they saw teachers as investors. Yeah. And the younger generation accruing interest. Yeah, beautiful. And so that's really where the burden started. So good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating, right? The, the the hard work that we do pays off because you can see what the investment will yield. That's that's great yes. imagery. Yes. So so what is uh, most inspiring to you about the type of work that we do? Go, going in uh, every day, touching young people, of course, is wonderful. But what inspires you most about the work? I would say, obviously, I think any educator can list several things that's inspiring, mm -hmm. but probably um, with our with our slogan, it's educate, empower, and evangelize. So mm -hmm. the term educate literally means, the Latin meaning is to pull potential out. Yeah. So contrary to a secular perspective of education where you're pushing information in, mm -hmm. literally it's pulling potential out. Beautiful. So what inspires me is you know they asked they asked I think it was Carnegie they said how in the world did you become a multimillionaire and how did you develop so many millionaires he said man developing leaders is like mining for gold mm. he said when you walk into the gold mine he there's a lot of dirt yeah. but you don't go in looking for dirt yeah you go in looking for gold beautiful yeah. students in undergrad studies are full of gold yeah that's right and what inspires me is to tap into that gold yeah watch the potential come out of them and then for them to get up and preach it yeah that's and right. change lives yeah yeah it's incredible yeah it's well, awful that's that's wonderful that's probably the uh, right answer right off the top of your head, right? That's probably the reason we do the work. The sustainability is to see that transformation. Brother Kilman, I him. would say it's the money involved in Bible college <laughs> education, but you and I both know it's not the money. Yes, that's right. That's right. I love you, Pastor. Yes, uh, but absolutely, we do it for that thing. Yeah, very good. All right, so let me let me uh, dive down a little deeper then. What do you, what do you see as the greatest challenges or challenge, mm -hmm. uh, however you feel, uh, in training uh, young people for uh, uh, ministry today? What, yeah. What's kind of the biggest challenges? Well, such a good question. Um, myriad of answers. Mm -hmm. But here's what I would say. <clears throat> here's what I would say. I would say that there's a term, and you're familiar with this because we've talked about this before. It came out of the postmodern philosophy, and it's called deconstructionism. Yeah. Deconstructionism, th so I would say three things that's the biggest challenge the fight against deconstructionism, mm. to then what leads into what's called constructivist or constructivism, and then thirdly, social constructivism. Let me explain it. Yeah. So my wife and I went out to eat. We sit down at this restaurant, and the waiter comes up, and he said, and we're asking him, what do you have for appetizers? He said, we have deconstructed chicken. <laughs> I'm like, no, deconstructionism has reached into the restaurant business. I can't even eat dinner. It's yes. like, man, I thought this was a philosophical issue. Yeah. I can't even eat supper with my wife without feeling deconstructed. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, I was teaching a postmodernism class and I asked him, I said, so what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean by deconstructed chicken? Yeah. He said, well, what we do instead of bringing out your appetizer all put together as a whole, he said, we bring it out in fragments so that you can construct whatever you want out of these ingredients. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm like, oh my lord. Wow. This is it. Yeah, that's it. This is it. What so, a great but, illustration. Yeah. So deconstructionism. It's as pragmatic as it gets. It's as yeah. pragmatic as yeah. it gets. Yeah. And so, but but I think if we stop there, mm. we miss because okay, so they deconstructed my appetizer, yeah. and now I'm looking at this plate with with fragmented pieces on it, yeah. and now I can reconstruct it however I want. Mm. This leads into an educational philosophy called social constructivism. Mm -hmm. Think about it. First of all, constructivism is, um, and this dates back into the early 1900s, but it is to, there is no authorita authoritative knowledge. Yeah. There is no objective truth. Yeah. The student determines that. Yeah. So here's the biggest challenge. Here's what we're talking about with young apostolics. Let's, let's think about social media. Mm. Let's think about our apostolic roots. Let's think about objective, inerrant truth. Yeah and how it's being deconstructed, how people are taking bits and pieces of it, yeah. putting it on a plate and wanting to serve the congregation in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. We cannot do that. Yeah. That is a major challenge. Here's the problem. On social media, we almost have, without calling it a belief, we're moving in that direction in that we normalize things on social media and we're constructing a new truth if yeah. we're not careful, wow. among the younger generation, because first it's been deconstructed, yeah. now you'll see things on social media and they'll like it, like it, like it, like it, to where now all of a sudden we've normalized something that's biblically inaccurate. Yeah. So I would say that's one of the biggest challenges. Dealing De with that reality. Dealing with yeah. that reality. It's like, how do we deconstruct? Yeah. So there can be a positive side to that. Sure. Students will come to us, we've got to literally take that apart and reconstruct the apostolic message. Yeah, that's right. You know? Beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, you know, the pragmatic side of that, of how it affects you in the pastorate, how it affects you in uh, the reality, the context of uh, trying to get the truth into people's lives. It, it really is because, you know, I'm fortunate to pastor as well as serve as yeah. president and a professor. So I see it from a pastoral perspective and mm. an educator's perspective. Yeah. And essentially what happens is you have to go back and reteach the very basic tenets of what we've always been. So good. You, you, you know yeah, what I mean? I do. Where you would, you would almost assume, no, they got it. Yeah. Well, they didn't, you know? Mm. And, and so, you know, yeah. that, to me, that's one of the biggest challenges. Well, that's, uh, yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. That's uh, thick and wonderful. Uh, because the spirit of the age is what we have to address. Okay, so those are the challenges. What, what, are, what are some of the greatest joys that you've observed about training this generation? What are the things that uh, energize you the most? Yeah, probably one of the things that energizes me the most, I would borrow some of the words of Tim Elmore, who has written a book called Generation Z. And you know that Generation Z is probably from 1997, give or take, to current, current day. And he said that Generation Z, the, uh, he talks about the other side of Generation Z. So we're always fussing and complaining that they're playing the games and you know they're messing, uh, messing their brains up with video games and they're always on their phone. Well, there's the other side to it. Yeah. And the other side is they are, and this is what he says, they are different and dynamic. Hmm. And, and, and so what I would say is let's turn them loose. Yeah. They're inspiring in the fact that they see new and innovative ways 
to accomplish revival. So I mean, yeah. you know, even, even Jesus uh, was an innovator, went up on the roof or directed them to go up on the roof, tear the roof up. Well, no one had ever done that before. <laughs> yeah. You know, Generation Z, they're doing podcasts. Um, yeah. They're writing songs. They're doing P7s. And so to look at that generation, yeah. it's very inspiring to see the lives that are being changed. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're living in uh, times that require perhaps, at least I would say it this way, uh, different ways that uh, it means to be faithful today with, with these cultural pressures that we're talking about. What are some of the critical things that you uh, focus on at uh, North Texas uh, Christian College to sure. help prepare them for this moment? Yeah, um, a couple of things. One is I try to, I see it as a dichotomy. A lot of times students think, what am, you know, you'll, 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 you'll hear, get the question, you'll hear the question, what are you doing? Instead of, what are you becoming? Mm. You know, we'll walk around General Conference and they'll say, hey man, how are you doing? How's the church doing? Yeah. How many are you running? All of our questions mm. are leading us to a place of, what are you doing? Versus being. Versus being. Yeah, becoming. And yeah. so a guy so by the name of Tripp, you may have read his book, um, Dangerous Calling. Yeah. He actually studies seminaries and seminary students. And he mm -hmm. says one of our problems is that we are creating theological brains and diseased hearts Woof. at the same time. Yeah. Because we're focusing on the doing aspect and not training them in what, who they're becoming. So we're very intentional at yeah. North Texas Christian College about who they're becoming. Beautiful. One of the things we do there is we integrate a lot of what's called emotional intelligence, but beyond just emotional intelligence, which is, are you even aware mm -hmm. of your emotions? Because think about it. When people mess up a church, when a young preacher messes up a youth group, it's typically not over theology. Yeah. You know, it's not over his skill. It's over his morals. Mm -hmm or his spirit and attitude. Yeah. And so we focus strongly yeah. on biblical EQ. Yeah. We don't stop with the theory of emotional intelligence. And you know, the authors from Goldman to Bradbury and Greaves and to Salovey, um, who all brought forth emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. A guy by the name of uh, James Edmiston talks about biblical EQ. So he doesn't do away with neuroscience, sure. but what he does is he adds the spiritual component. Sure. Because it was the way we were designed by God. Yeah, that's right. You know. Which is a more fundamental way of saying that, that, that you bring you to ministry and you got to confront you at the multiple level. So as a man thinketh not in his mind, but as a man thinketh in his heart. In his heart. So is he, yes. which is the seed of the desire. Yes. That's so good. So I was doing this research for my, for my dissertation work. And my dissertation was the spiritual, or the emotional and spiritual dynamics of pastoral transitions. Wow. Well, that study forced me into learning a lot about emotional intelligence. Mm. Then it led me to how many seminaries across America, not just UPC, all Bible colleges and seminaries have any courses on the leader's emotions wow. and emotional intelligence. Yeah. I think they had like 12%. And, and yet what they were finding is that ministers were, young ministers were burning out within five years. Yeah. It's not because they were compromising doctrine. They didn't know how to handle themselves. Yeah. They wow. were imploding. Wow. So at North Texas Christian College, we focus on both what you're becoming. Yeah. And then that should lead into what you're doing. Yeah. Not the other yeah. way around. That's so good. Yeah. 
So good formation and yeah, being before it is. Transfer doing. Mm -hmm. yeah, it is. So Spiritual good. formation or, or what we would call a transformational model of education. Yeah, very good. Okay, so uh, we know like, right, so we're sw switching times, right? So it used to be, you know, Reagan's moral majority is way gone. Uh, but then even the toleration levels have gone. Social Marxism, deconstructionism, uh, you could call it many things. Uh, in our day, it's becoming increasingly harder for ministry, uh, churches, for uh, the preachers to hide. So uh, one, of the, one of the things I would ask is, how do you help them deal with that pressure and be faithful to their calling? So when you say, are you talking about in terms of living in a glass house? I mean, help me. Yeah, so it can be internal. That's mostly internal, it looks like, but like, uh, like if you're going to take a church and be the church in a city, let's say an urban area for sure, okay. uh, in like where you're at, yeah. how are you going, how do you help students to say, I know there's this tension around, there's no place to hide, but uh, you have a calling to be faithful. So how do you mm -hmm. navigate that uh, desire to uh, not offend and yet at the same mm -hmm. time do what you have to do, which is mm -hmm. be the church which automatically confronts. Mm -hmm. Yes. How, how do you how do good. you navigate Man, that? Man, that was a powerful point. That automatically confronts. Yeah. That's so good. Um, well, so so I would go back to the pastoral epistles. Yeah. And what the Apostle Paul told Timothy to hold fast those mm. things which are committed to you. Yeah. And keep them by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Mm. But when you when you look at that scripture, to hold fast, yeah. literally meant to take possession of something, mm -hmm. not just to take possession of something tangibly. Yeah. But it, 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 the word indicates that there's a shaking of the mind, and so even with the mind, there's this taking possession of the truth. Wow. Beautiful. And you know, so they did a survey, headquarters in yeah. UPCI did a survey among our young people. And the top two items that our teenagers are facing is anxiety and depression. Yeah. Well, when there's emotional flooding, there's also cognitive distortion, mm. which would then lead to perhaps sinful behavior. Could. Yeah. So if there's emotional flooding, then we can become very irrational. Yeah. And the pressure of ministry affects us emotionally. Wow. Where we're flooding emotionally and we might act out in such a way that we normally wouldn't. Because of the pressure. Because of the pressure. Yeah. And so what I would say is this hold fast. Yeah. And, and in another place, he said the form of sound words. Mm. Think about that. The term sound is a medicinal, it's a, it's a, it's a medical word, yeah. which means health. Yeah. We need church health. <laughs> we need so church good. health. Yeah. Because when we confront, then there's going to be a pushback. Yeah. You know, sounds good in classroom, sounds good in theory. Yeah. But when you push back and they push back on you, it, there's high stress levels. Yeah. And so I would encourage and say that the Bible college student should hold fast the, the sound words, form yeah. of sound words. Yeah. So if I hear you right, what you're saying is the biblical prescription for holding fast, you have to be aware that there's going to be a struggle. Yes. You have to know going into this that you're going to deal with this type of uh, cultural age that we're in. But yes. the way you do that is by being faithful yes. uh, to the calling as uh, prescribed by the Apostle Paul. Yes. And, and what I would say, this is what I found. This was an interesting, interesting finding to me when I was doing my dissertation work. Yeah. Because I interviewed 20 uh, participants, outgoing pastor, outgoing pastor's wife. 
incoming pastor, incoming pastor's wife. Wow. So the gap in the literature out there in pastoral transitions is no one was talking to either wife. Wow. They were all talking to the outgoing pastor and incoming pastor. Wow. But you and I both know. Yeah. If you <laughs> yeah. make no mistake, yeah. Bubba, yeah. if you're not talking to that outgoing pastor's wife, holy cow! Wow, you, that's crazy. And, and so what I found though wow. is that the incoming pastor and his wife, this is what they said: when they were taking the pastoral leadership of the church, their greatest, the greatest animosity that they faced, were with their peers that they grew up with in that church. Wow. You would think it would be the opposite. They would be your greatest allies. They, yeah. So they were their greatest friends, greatest allies until they got the role. Wow. When they got the role and they had power over or assumed power sure. over, of course. then there was this friction. Wow. So, so here's what I would say to that. I would say to the young leader coming in, whether it's youth ministry, young adult ministry, pastoral leadership, very unlikely that Bible college students are going to step immediately into pastoring. Sure. Here's what I would say. Make sure that you balance out the rear view mirror and the windshield. All right. Give us that. Yeah. Yes. A car needs both. Yeah. It's against the law to drive without a rear view mirror. Yeah. Make sure that you have a strong perspective of the past. Mm. Don't divorce yourself from yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. You need a strong relationship yeah. with you your elders. Yeah, you really can't. You can, but it ain't going to end well. Oh, bubble. <laughs> you're going to have a head-on collision. That's exactly Somebody, right. you know, yeah. or you're going to miss the blind spot. Yeah. Listen, so the good. voice of your elders will show you where the blind spots are. So good. This is the rearview mirror. Yeah. Now, obviously, if you s stare in the rearview mirror too long, yeah. you're going to have a wreck. You're going to run into something. So there's this windshield of vision. Yeah. The windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. Mm. It's perspective and balance. Yeah. I've got a great relationship with my elders and those who have gone before me that allow me to get in the driver's seat. Yeah. But man, I've got a windshield of vision. Yeah. I'm ready to go into the future. Yeah. And I would say to that young student who is just, make sure that you don't get so full of zeal and excitement that you just yank the rearview mirror off the car. Yeah, that's right. Remember, when David was anointed by God, the people had not yet anointed him. Mm. God anointed him, and it always takes longer for the people to anoint you. Yeah, that's right. So develop that relationship with the Which, people. Yeah. It will, it will lower the stress levels, the yeah. people stress. Yeah, mm. that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, good. Okay, we're going to wrap up here. I'll ask you maybe a couple questions. One is, you know, there's a, this reality that we have of, uh, you know, there's over 700, Brother French, I think his current re uh, book needs to be revised uh, because there's way more than this now. We know that there some revivals in the Philippines have not been categorized right. Yeah. And so we have way more numbers than what we're thinking right now. And I'm uh, praying that the Lord will help him revise that great book yes. on, on counting how many oneness Pentecostals there are in the world. But that said, there's over, he says there's over 750 oneness Pentecostal organizations in the world. That's amazing. Yeah, which is stunning, right? And so then on top of that, what you have- What source was that again? I'm sorry. That's at Talmadge French. Okay. I, I was listening to him on wow. a podcast. I believe he was teaching at uh, Brother Daryl John's church. Wow. And he just said, because you have to remind yourself of the, what is the body of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, if you take the WPF, the ALJC, us as the UPC, and you link us all together, the independents still outnumber us, which is stunning, right, yes, to think yes, about. Yes, stunning. So um, two things. How, how do you, 
first of all, give Bible college students a body of Christ vision. Mm -hmm. And and then um, what what is the role of Bible college in kind of giving roots to this uh, massive revival that's going on around the world. Mm -hmm. It's hard to keep numbers on. They can't even Mm -hmm. really track what's going on in Brazil anymore. Mm -hmm. They can't even keep numbers anymore. It's growing Mm -hmm. so quickly. So uh, what is the role of uh, uh, Bible college in uh, helping them see that broader vision and then uh, lend themselves somehow to the creating roots for that massive revival? Yeah. Wow. That's a mouthful. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, So I think a couple of things. I guess the first comment I would make is based off of experience. When we launched North Texas Christian College, Mm. I did not know this, but just within Dallas-Fort Worth, and even in the city that I pastor in, Euless, there's another Oneness Church who's independent, and then another right down the road that's another organization. So I found out real quickly, because of our online and hybrid offerings, we had we had over six different organizations wow. in students yeah, in represented six organizations wow. and then some independents. That's so tremendous. So, yeah. so what I had, so it was like, okay, so there's some differences in terms of preference. Sure. So I had to determine what are preferences. Don't get hung up on the preferences. Yeah. Because we do have a bigger vision. Yeah. You know, and yeah. God is transcendent. Yeah. I mean, an organization is a vehicle. Yeah. And only so many people can fit in this vehicle. Yeah, that's Well, right. there's a lot of vehicles to accomplish revival. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and I think that if the student can determine the difference between what's a preference mm. versus what are doctrinal issues. Essentials, yeah. You, you know what I mean? I do. Because what happens today is people will say, well, that's just your personal preference. Mm. Well, they're mixing up doctrine and preference. That's right. And so there has to be a distinguishing between apostolic doctrine. Yeah. You know, I mean, you and I both know there are two New Testament mandates. There's a theological mandate and an apostolic mandate. Mm. Here's what I would say. Let's, let's make sure that we prioritize the theological before the apostolic. And somebody said, well, why? Well, apostle means to send. Yeah. Theological is the message. Yeah. If you put the mission before the message, you end up with a mess. That's exactly right. But if you put the message before the mission, yeah. you end up with a miracle. Yeah, that's right. So I would say I let theology that. drive theory yeah. or yeah. philosophy yeah. and, and then find points of agreement yeah. where we can have worldwide revival. Yeah. You yeah. know? I mean, I didn't say this at the beginning, but I did. I wanted to say thank you for allowing me to be here. Oh, I mean, this is, this is huge. Like, this is a dream come true, me sitting here, because to me, we're building a bridge. Yeah. And, and instead of Bible colleges living in silos or building walls, what you and I are doing together right now is building a bridge. That's right. I think every organization should do that. I do, too. You know? I do, too. I hope we can reach that. <laughs> what are if, you laughing if, about? If we're the body of Christ. <laughs> if we are the body of Christ. And I believe we yes. are. Yes. So you're like, okay, then this massive revision, you know, we get to China we figure out that the largest oneness Pentecostal uh, church in the world is already there underground. Yeah. How can we help them? How can we lend teaching? Um, mm-hmm. How can we uh, allow what we know to build bridges of influence mm-hmm. that can 
give moorings to this massive revival yeah. of people that are hungry in the spirit and hungry for truth, but they need a vehicle. Yes. And I think our organization could play a pivotal role in that. I think our organization is huge. I think that our learning institutions within yeah. our organization yeah. are huge. We got about six, uh, about six organizations on our campus right now. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so, you know, going back to that one question that you asked in terms of what inspires you about this new generation, if we threw this out to them, yeah. they would have some innovative ideas that yeah. we're not thinking of. Yeah, that's right. And I would say, let's tap into their yeah. minds. Yeah, and, that's and right. Because they're going to say, well, here's what I think we should do. And they're going to leverage technology. Yeah, that's right. Like, they're going to leverage technology. In a way that I don't understand yes. or know or understand. And it's like, <laughs> turn them loose, that's man. Right. Let them go get it. That's right. You know? Well, this has been uh, a treat. And I appreciate you coming by and uh, spending your time. I did want to give you uh, the last uh, parting, uh, parting courage, uh, encouragement or challenge to somebody thinking about a ministry or Bible college particularly. What would be your kind of last word for them? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, if they're considering going to a Bible college, calling, calling of God, burden, passion, check with your pastor, make sure that you have your pastor's blessing. And, and then I would also say, make sure that you maintain a strong relationship with your pastor while at a Bible college. So good. Uh, that's from a pastor's heart. Yeah, yeah that's, that's from experience and from a pastor's heart. But, but what I would say is when you get into college, especially a Bible college, approach the Bible with humility. Allow your deeper knowledge to produce a spirit of humility inside of you, not superiority or elitism. So good. And, and then secondly, what I would say is be transformed by your education and allow it to transform you into a servant leader. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Back to formation again, yeah. It's back to formation. Yeah, back to that hard yeah. issue, yeah. yeah. Well, my friend, thank you for coming yes. and being with us. Yeah. Appreciate you so much, and I trust that you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you want to know anything about North Texas uh, Christian College, the website can connect you to that. And, uh, man, we, we love this man very much and the work he's doing. Thank you, Brother Kilman. This God has bless. been enjoyable. Yes, sir.